This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This is Scott from California. When I'm not hiking at national parks, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey there, money nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. I'd love to make a few extra bucks this week because I'm headed to Florida with Joe and OG. To help us save, invest, and earn more money, please welcome CPA Michelle Kagan. Also in headlines, exchange-traded funds are getting smarter and investors' appetite for risk hits new highs. We'll talk about what that means to you. Hey, we're also going to throw out the Haven Lifeline to Bobby, who wonders about retirement plan fees, answer your letters, and still rock some of my money trivia. And now, two guys who are alarmingly pale and should be packing up lots of suntan lotion, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. I think you're a little pale. Are you talking to me? I, I am. You talking to me? Brown. <laughs> no, no, no. I do. I do not. I do not burn. I just. I turn golden brown. No suntan lotion necessary for me. Yeah, every time. I'm sure. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Suntan Lotion Podcast. I'm Joe Salcihi, average Joe money on on Twitter. So consider me SPF 190. Right. Yeah. They don't make it high enough for your pasty skin. (laughs) No, it's going to be great. What we're talking about, uh, actually, you and I headed to Florida with some people. Stacking Benjamin's experience coming up. StackingBenjamins.com forward slash experience. If you want more information on that, you like heading to the beach. Yeah, I'm quite the beach bum. Can't you tell? (laughs) But you do. I know you love the beach. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't don't do that. If, if, If we're meeting people. Don't do that. Don't, that, don't that, ask if they want tickets to the gun show. That thing that people didn't see that I, that I got to see, don't do that t- in Florida. Please don't do that. I got tickets to the gun show. We're going to have so much fun. And we found out we've got space for 30 people. We found out if we get 30 people there, Paula and Len are going to come with us. Doug's coming if we have 20 people. And you know what? Uh, if we have 30, we'll do a live version of the show with Paula and Len. How fun will that be? On top of all the financial planning stuff we're doing, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash experience. But let's get to the real sponsors. This episode of Stacking Benjamins is brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron's treating Stacking Benjamins listeners to 30 bucks off your first order if you visit blueapron.com slash SB. So check out this week's menu and get your $30 off with free shipping at blueapron.com slash SB. Show is also brought to you by Magnify Money. You know, you want to say 450 bucks, don't you? The, here's what you don't do. Don't walk into your bank and say, what do you have? Because you're limiting yourself to the amount of 
awesomeness that's out there across the myriad of banking channels that are available. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money is the place to go when you're shopping for your new credit card, your new checking account, your new savings account, consolidate the student loans. You need an auto loan for that next ride. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. We got a great show today, man. Michelle Kagan is here. She wrote the infographic guide to personal finance. I love infographics. We can't do infographics. Very cool book. Well, we can't do infographics on radio. But she, I'm going to say, I love, I love, I love the topic. It's going to be hard to say. <laughs> it's going to be hard to explain. I like no. how this arrow flows into this other arrow. Yes. So tell me about that arrow, Michelle. That's the best arrow. How did you design that arrow to be like that? But these are, these are fantastic. Just makes it really, really easy. So looking forward to talking to her because Michelle's got a lot of great stories about the way that she's helped people with money in her practice as a CPA and some of the lessons that are in the book, everything from when to transfer credit card balances. We're not going to talk about that today. Uh, when to repair bad credit, not going to talk about that, but we will talk about ways to make money right now, how to save money quickly, talk about some fun stuff. So we got that coming, but first we got headlines. So let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our first piece comes to us from Investment News. Goldman's measure of risk appetite hits record. This written by Bloomberg News. Global stocks and U.S. Treasuries are seeing their most extreme start to a new year ever, Bank says. Global stocks and U.S. Treasuries are in the throes of their most extreme start to the year ever as bullish sentiment engulfs markets, according to Goldman Sachs. The bank's cross-asset measure of risk appetite around the world is the highest since it started the gauge in 1991. Euphoria is turbocharging global equities, while 10-year U.S. government bonds are suffering their worst performance in risk-adjusted terms, according to Goldman. Uh, that's, that's not, I can't figure this out. Everything I'm reading now says people are putting more, as we get these messages that say, hey, stock market's at all-time high record-breaking the number of people getting into the market. Well, and it's funny when you look at it and they say risk appetite's gone up. Well, yeah, no kidding, because people have only seen in the last you know eight or nine years basically a straight-up stock market. So they're going, well, this is fantastic. I can take all this upside volatility because it's volatility, right? It's still differentiation from the norm. You know, if your average return is 10 in the S&P, but you get 20 this year, that's highly volatile, but we only think of the word volatility for being a negative thing, right? Or we think of risk when we mean volatility. This is comical. Shouldn't your risk tolerance be the same regardless? Because you're looking forward, right? You're going, today I have this dollar amount. The likelihood of me, you know, the market's going to go up or down or whatever. And here's the range of returns I can expect over the next, you know, three to five years. Well, the fact that people start off with risk tolerance at all kind of bothers me. I think if we start off with what risk do I need to take, and then ask myself, can I accept that risk, right? I mean, isn't that the, the way we should start? Well, and most people don't. That's how we do it, right? We look at what kind of tolerance to this, the swings in the market, volatility, what can you stand? And then we take that number and say, does this work in the plan? Right. And if it doesn't work in the plan, then we say, okay, well, now we have to make some changes. We have to make some choices, but we're being proactive about it. So you're going into it going... I know that I got to be okay with that minus 25% return every so often because that's going to put me in a position to average this this return over a long period of time. And that's the number I need to reach my goals. 
as opposed to just going, yeah, I darted a dartboard. And maybe why that that's why this is so foreign to me when I see headlines like this. I remember before I was in financial planning thinking, oh yeah, is this a good time to put the money in the stock market? Is this a good time? Is this a good time? Well, it's almost the best time <laughs> as soon as it goes all the way up. Right. Once it hits it that tippy top, then it's the perfect time. Then I put the it in. the best time. Yes. Because if you're looking at your 401k high-fiving yourself because you had an awesome year last year, like studies show, that, that might not be the optimal time. But the optimal well, time yeah. is right now consistently without looking at it. And I was going to say, here's my guess for 2018, probably end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter, we'll start getting the information on inflows, like where's the money going for 2018, right? We'll start seeing that data. You heard it here first, folks. It's going to international and emerging market. Do you know why? Because that's where the hotness has been. It was number one last year, baby. Hello. You're getting those 401k statements and you're looking I at gotta be number one. going... Dude, I didn't get that. I didn't get 44.5% last year. I'm going to put all my money in that. That's the hot place where all the cool kids are, OG. That's where all the cool kids are. Yeah, until they're not. Our second headline comes to us from Yahoo Finance. This is written by uh, Kelly L. from CNBC. ETFs powered by artificial intelligence are getting smarter, says fund co-founder. Of course, by the way, a fund co-founder of somebody that does one of these funds says they're awesome. But hey, the thing that I created, it's really awesome. It is and great. Awesomer. I think it I think it's the most great. It is most you be put great. All of your money in this thing because I'm the greatest. Exchange traded funds powered by artificial intelligence are getting smarter, according to co-founder of Equibot, a company that created one such fund. The Equibot. And an AI-powered great equity name. ETF, uh, ticker symbol A. IEQ, an actively managed security that seeks to use AI to beat the market, launched last October 18th. Uh, the AI actually grows in value. Equibot co-founder and CEO Art Amador told CNBC's Power Lunch last Tuesday, we're going to be even better tomorrow than we are today, Amador said. While the fund got off to a rocky start, underperforming the market in the last three months, the ETF was <laughs> up more than 10%. The returns were similar to the S&P 500 during the same time period. I'd I didn't want to make fun of this piece because it's clearly just a, hey, buy my fun It's a sales pitch, yeah. But I do like, OG, I like this idea of, I personally think, you know, you see all these people that say active investing is dead. I don't think so. I think active investing is changing. It's no longer a manager and some people making decisions based on what their gut tells them. And given they used a lot of data to do that, I think the more we integrate machines and artificial intelligence into active management, I think active management's going to be interesting in the future. And this is another case of that. I don't know. This seems very Terminator-esque, right? Like like back from the future, John Connor needs to be killed or something because he's going to take down the robot army. I don't know. But how do you, how do you build a computer? Who builds a computer? Does the robot build itself? No. A person puts in, here's the parameters, right? Yes. So is that not a person going, here's my idea, but I'm going to put it into computer form? Dude, how far, and- behind, on, how far behind on computers are you? <laughs> what, do they have like ones that think for themselves yet? <laughs> yeah. I mean, machine learning is the, machine learning is the big, is the big hot thing in computing. Skynet and that's what is this is. Over. Skynet is taking over. Fantastic. That's you, great. You got to go get with I, get with lead in his bunker now. I know. No kidding. I got to stock up on golden bullets. God damn it. 
Not again. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> I did this back in 87. I'm sure that this was going to happen back then. And in 99, right? Oh, gosh, yeah. Before I'm the kidding. Y2K thing. Y2K. Remember being just a little bit surprised when the light stayed on at midnight, 2000? No, you know what? I was... Um, Too drunk? I was skiing. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. I was skiing. I was out of town. You know, it was kind of one of those like, hey, it's New Year's Eve. Cool. Because, but we were so far west that all of our friends were on the East Coast. And when they were celebrating, you know, it was still like nine o'clock in the afternoon or nine o'clock in the evening. I mean, <laughs> nine so, o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> nine o'clock in the afternoon. Because the party doesn't start till 11. Because you don't get up until two. Right? <laughs> I know. So what are you doing? Nine o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, anyways, back to uh, active trading. This harkens back a little bit to Flash Boys, right? The whole idea of my computer can trade a millisecond faster than yours, and therefore, you know, I make uh, one millionth of a penny more per trade than you do, but I'm going to do 10 billion trillion trades a nanosecond. You know what I mean? Okay. If that's the value proposition, I'm sure of it. The thing that computers won't be able to do is predict market returns in advance because you can't. No. No. So if I can't predict market returns in advance, then all I'm doing is I'm just empowering a computer to maybe make a better educated guess than me if I'm trying to actively trade it, right? Well, I think number one, get rid of emotion in the thing and just use the data. Forget about the emotion. Trade consistently just on the data. Number, but This is what happened. I'm going to interrupt you. This is what happened. I'm going to do it anyway, whether or not I, you want me to or not. <laughs> <laughs> Not to interrupt you, although I'll interrupt this you. This how we roll. But isn't this what Betterment did with the whole like Brexit thing a year and a half ago? They went, yeah, we're going to turn off the computers. I mean, they didn't turn off the computers, but the computers said – you're too stupid to actually trade this, Mr. Human, so we're going to not let you do it. We're and it freaked everybody down. out, right? Is that not Skynet going, <laughs> yeah, we figured out that you guys are going to self-destruct, so we're just going to kill you in advance? Uh, I, I, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Isn't this, is it, doesn't the robots say? I think you, you're going A, B, C, Q. Like you are way down there. It's over, man. Well, you know, if that's where we're going, I mean, might as well just jump to the end. I do think there's something to be said for things like this, for the buzz index, for uh, Bill Studebaker, who is here with uh, ticker symbol ROBO, talking about robotics and innovation. Now, that's more of a sector bet, right? right. They're playing that sector. Or even like what Phil Bach is doing in that loser town in Michigan, where he's taken the S&P 500 and turned it upside down. And said, "Hey, what if we do the reverse? So we're not the so PNS five hundred, the PNS zero zero five, the zero zero five PNS is isn't it zero zero five PNS? That's what it would be, yeah. Yes, uh, but what he's doing there, inverting it, so you're not so heavy, just an apple, right? I, I mean, I find I find these these compelling, and I think that I think this is the future of quote active management. I don't think it's all dead. I don't think it's dead. I don't think active management is dead at all." think there will always be people but or you, robots you, saying, hey, I can do this better. Or and people will be putting money there. Robots disguised as people. Hello, Battlestar Galactica. What about people, what about people disguised as robots? Well, that happens. That's the next thing. After the robots take over, then the people will want to be like the robots. Be like, I am a really good <laughs> fund manager. You know, you'll be on CNBC. You know who the first... Dude, like, with a, like, a, like a cutout box with like... <laughs> with the, like Buy my file. Buy my fund. Yeah, yeah, right. Buy my fund. I am a robot. Did they buy it? Did they buy it, Martha? I'm hoping they bought it. 
I think our lesson is number one: uh, don't joke about the robots because this is going to come back and bite us. My yeah. MacBook is going to kill me. <laughs> it is. It's over for you, pal. And our second takeaway is uh, thinking about throwing everything into stocks now at the high. Do it. <laughs> Go for it, man. <laughs> Hashtag winning. If you didn't smell sarcasm at the end of that segment, you should have, <laughs> because we're we're not. We have to be responsible here for a second, OG. We were kidding. We were joking. One of us was. Michelle Kagan is a CPA author. Evil eye roll. That's nice. I haven't seen that in a while. I've I've got the sarcastic <laughs> evil eye roll in months. Michelle Kagan's waiting upstairs. She's a CPA author and financial mentor. She has more than twenty years of experience offering unique insights into personal financial planning. From breaking out of debt and minimizing taxes to maximizing income and building wealth, she's written tons of articles and books about personal finance, including Investing 101, Stock Market 101, Financial Words You Should Know. In addition to her financial planning know-how, she has a not-so-secret love of painting Star Wars and chocolate. But guess what? She's here to talk about her new book, The Infographic Guide to Personal Finance, for everything you need to know. Michelle Kagan, coming down to the basement. Michelle Kagan joins us. How are you? I'm great. How are you today? Well, I'm fantastic. But when I see the letter CPA behind somebody's name and you're here at the basement with me, I think this is probably a super busy time for you and you don't have time for this. Well, it's starting to ramp up. Not quite there yet. Although I will tell you, I'm getting a lot of calls about people who are freaked out about next year's taxes. And I remind them, worry about this year first. Yeah, yeah. It seems like you should be worried about this year. But of course, next year is a whole different ballgame, isn't it? It really is. And the one thing I would tell people to pay attention to right now is they're going to see their paychecks go up. That may be a little bit of a problem because we don't know if they're going to end up owing taxes because their paychecks went up too much. So kind of try to keep an eye on that so you don't end up with a big tax bill in 2019. That's interesting because, and I want to get into the awesome infographic book that you made. But before that, how do I do that? Do do I do a tax projection partway through the year, Michelle? Do I like how do I keep an eye on it to make sure that I'm not going to owe a bunch of money and get a surprise next April? Well, sort of the quick and dirty trick for doing that is to go to the IRS website and look at the tax table. Okay, take just your basic, your gross income, not what you're getting your paycheck, but your pay before everything's taken out, multiply it by the tax rate that applies to your situation and see if your year-to-date taxes make sense. Are lining up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to be exact, but you want them to be somewhere in the ballpark. If you calculate $8,000, but your withholding is $2,000, you may want to talk to your HR department and change your tax withholding. I do have one more text question for you. I just thought of my brother has eight <laughs> kids. And as you know, the personal exemption, right, used to be four thousand, what, twenty five dollars per person or four thousand fifty, somewhere in there. Yeah. So, Michelle, that's that's forty thousand bucks for ten people in his family. I know it was replaced with a child tax credit. Is that tax credit gonna make up for it or is it gonna is he gonna be in a whole different situation now? It's gonna help. But it's not going to make up for it totally depending on where his income falls. It's definitely going to help. Yeah. 
but I think it's also limited to three kids, the tax credit. So it's going to help, but it's not going to be enough. It's and again, this, this tax law is crazy. There's so much we're going to be learning about it, but I'm pretty sure you can only take three kids in the tax credit. Yeah. Well, I'll tell him the bad news. Maybe, maybe with a six pack of beer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would think maybe you might need a bottle of tequila along with right. that. Something a little stronger. Well, let's talk about some really strong stuff, which is the infographics you have in here. Cause I love the visual nature of what you've done here. And I mean, we're kind of a, we believe it when we see it society. Let's talk about some of the mistakes people make with their money. What's the biggest mistake you see people make when it comes to their personal financial decisions? Well, the very biggest mistake is that people are very emotional about finances and finances are math. And if you take the emotion out of them, it's a lot easier to control them. When you get emotional about it, that's one of the biggest mistakes. What's the what's the biggest piece of math that we need to understand that people don't seem to understand? Spend less money than you make. <laughs> I was expecting this amazing rocket science, Michelle, and it just <laughs> is not that. Well, I mean, I could come up with some crazy formula, but honestly, that is the biggest equation that people should pay attention to. You've got one in here about how your money grows. Can we walk through that? Because people don't understand this equation either, which is how we actually make our money make more money. And I love this infographic. Here's how compounding works. We'll make it super simple. Let's say you put $100 in a bank account and you're making 10% interest. At the end of the year, you have $110. The next year, you're going to get 10% interest on $110 instead of $100, you'll get $11. That's $121. So every year, the amount of money that you're earning interest on is getting bigger. So you're earning more interest, which is making you earn more interest on your interest. And that really is the key is to make your money do the hard lifting. I love Robert Kiyosaki talked about this in his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, about, you know, you can, yeah, you can go to work with your lunch pail, but when your money's out with its lunch pail going to work and you don't have to, it's way better. Yes, absolutely. The biggest things about compounding is that even though people maybe get the idea, yes, my money is working for me, they don't understand necessarily how that happens. For example, if you take the interest out, like you have a stock and you get the dividends in cash, or if you have a bank account and you say, oh, I'm just going to pull out the interest, you lose the compounding. It only works if you leave all the money in there. It doesn't work if you keep trading all the time. You lose the growth that comes with a stock that you hold onto, not to mention all the trading fees and commissions when you're doing a lot of trading. Right, that erode, so it, erode away. Uh, you've got yeah, in, absolutely. You got in here a cool thing you could do on your fingers that I like, uh, the rule of 72. Oh, yeah. Yeah, basically, it just tells you how fast your money is going to double. It's a little bit of a math equation you take based on how much your money is actually in a year. So if your money was earning 10% a year, you divide 72 by 10. So in seven years, 7.2 years, your money will double if you leave it alone. I just think about that. You know, I'll sometimes talk to like a 25-year-old, just doing that math. Let's get rid of the 0.2 for a second so we can do it on our fingers, literally. Take a 25-year-old says, well, Joe, I've only got 10,000 bucks. Like in my old 401k, right? You probably see this all the time, Michelle. Old 401k, 25 years old, 10,000 bucks in it. They go, it's not that much money. I need a new car. I'm going to rip the money out and I'm going to buy a car. 
And of course, as you you know where this heads, right? I mean, you're going to pay not just the tax, but the penalty. You're going to pay all these. Uh, what are you going to end up with? You'll end up with, um, let's say you're in the 25% tax bracket, 10% penalty. Uh, you live in a state maybe with a 5% state tax. We're looking at what? 40% of your money gone? Gone before you even get started. And then you lose out on all the future compounding. Right. So it actually, it costs, it's going to cost you literally thousands of dollars, even a hundred thousand dollars to do something like that. Well, don't pull money out of your 401k. And I think about that. Nobody does that math. I mean, if we did the math, so you're going to get six grand for your car, which doesn't buy a heck of a lot of car versus if we use that rule of 72, 10% and get rid of the 0.2, just go seven, your money would double when you're 32, when you're 39, when you're 46, when you're 53, when you're five times by the time you're 60. Most people now aren't going to, I was reading something today, won't retire until 67, 70. So we could probably go six times until you need that retirement money. So six times. So it's not 10 grand, it's 20, 40, 80, 160, 320, that's $640,000 of retirement money that you're saying goodbye to for a $6,000 automobile. Well, and you know what? It's actually more because you're not going to take that whole thing out the day you turn 70. Right. You're going to leave it in there for 20 more years right. and take it out a little bit at a time. It's even more. You don't know, Michelle, what kind of party I'm having at 70. You've no idea. <laughs> That is, if it's a $640,000 party, I would love to be there. I know Michelle's like, make sure I get that invitation. <laughs> Let's talk uh, about another infographic you have in the book about spending habits, because a lot of the time, especially this time of year, you know, people are working on New Year's resolutions. Maybe by now they've scrubbed off a lot of them, but we want to hang on tight and maybe spend less money. What are some ways that we can spend less money in 2018? Well, I had to tell you that. Some of the new things I'm seeing where people are getting in a lot of trouble with spending is app spending. For example, paying for your Starbucks with your phone it seems even less like money than when you have to take out a credit card or Apple Pay where you don't even realize you're spending money and you're more likely to spend more money when you don't realize you're spending money. Also, in-app purchases is another way that people end up spending a lot of money. But it, I'm really talking about when you use your phone to pay for something People don't connect that with spending money. Yeah, it seems it seems like play money. Yeah, it, it seems like it, you're not really spending money. So, and you just can't kind of like reload your Starbucks app, and you don't really realize how much you're spending. So, go back to cash. You know what? Even a credit card, which I don't recommend using a credit card for everyday little stuff necessarily, unless you're really good about paying it off every month. Because even the fact of taking something out of your wallet, you know you're spending money. But when you're just waving your phone at something, you don't. Yeah. What are some other ways that we can have better spending habits? I also noticed that when people are bored, like they're waiting in line at the MVA or they're in a doctor's waiting room or they're just waiting for their pick up their kids at school, they online shop out of boredom and they buy a lot more than they would if they were engaged in something else. So when you're bored, it's a terrible time to shop. Another really big thing is emotional and spontaneous purchases. If you know you are an emotional shopper, when you are emotional, you should absolutely not go shopping. It's like grocery shopping when you're hungry. It was the first thing it is. I thought of. Right. And you know, there's a reason there are impulse buy items at every single cash register and every single website. When you're buying something online, even it says, are you sure you don't want to get this too? So it really lends to people spending more than they planned to. I like, 
I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I like your advice in the in the book that uh, instead of impulse shopping, start shopping with a reliable accountability buddy or swap shopping with another impulsive buddy and strictly follow each other's lists. Yeah, it's, it's hard to find somebody to do that with, but once you do, you will be amazed at how much less you spend. So, so much better if you've got somebody looking over your shoulder. I like this other one, buying lottery tickets. My family, by the way, still, <laughs> they know I'm in financial planning and in financial media and they still buy lottery tickets. What do you like to do instead? I say, if you are going to buy a lottery ticket, buy a high risk stock or a high risk ETF, you're more likely to get money back from that. And it's sort of the same kind of gamble. Let's move on to one more topic that you have here that I love. And, and by the way, there's 5 billion of these. We're, we're getting to three of, the, <laughs> of them. You've got so many awesome ones here. Sometimes the problem is, you know, when you work with people, and I know you work with a lot of single moms, it isn't always a spending problem. Like a lot of single moms that I know, very frugal people already, Michelle, they've already cut it to the bone. Sometimes yeah. it's about making more money. How do we make more money? A lot of people are definitely in that boat. And again, you're right, especially single moms need to ramp up income. And it can be hard to do, you know, with your regular job. So one of the ways that people can really increase their income is with a side gig. But you have to do it the right way or you're not going to make as much money as you think you're going to make doing it. So one of the first things I tell people who are who are doing some kind of side gig is don't undervalue yourself. You need to charge what you're worth. If you know you're worth 40 bucks an hour and somebody says to you, I'll pay you 20, walk away because you're losing out on that extra 20 bucks an hour that somebody else will be willing to pay you. How do you know if you're just starting off what the market will really bear? Well, I think there are definitely ways to look. For example, if you want to do proofreading or something, there are um, websites like Editorial Freelancers Association that have a listing of, of what the rate ranges are. But if you're going to do something you've never done before at, for your side gig, I would recommend you do something that you know how to do. So you already have a sense of how much it's worth. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I see that often that, that people have these great innate talents and they don't use those. They decide to go off and do something just, just wild. That doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Well, if the point of this is to make more money for yourself, the easiest way to do that is with something that you're good at and people already know you're good at. To start off something completely different when your purpose is to increase your income as opposed to start your dream company, you really want to stick with something that people know you are experienced at. And the second thing is you need to treat it like a business. It's not just another paycheck. It's a business. And you have deductible expenses. No matter what you're doing, there is an expense you can deduct somehow. And every when you don't deduct those expenses, you're paying too much taxes. I am definitely all for paying the absolute minimum, tiniest bit of taxes you possibly pay. I'm all in favor of tax avoidance, not tax evasion, because that's illegal, but tax avoidance. Like you need to get your taxes down to the absolute minimum they could be. Yeah, I, I think if it's legal, you should take that deduction. Like, why wouldn't you take the deduction? If it's out there, I should take it. Yeah, well, because a lot of people don't realize when they get their side gig income, it comes on a 1099 usually. And it might just say other income or something like that. They don't realize they're a business. They think this is just other income like my paycheck. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's a whole different, whole different ball game. Yeah. And it doesn't have taxes taken out too, which is people also forget that there are no taxes taken out, which you have to pay the taxes that weren't taken out. 
this particular infographic I'm looking at is five ways to boost your income this month. Number one on here, which you mentioned, was get a second job. Number two, which is the side gig freelance. Number three, drive around town, check out popular services like Uber or Lyft. Number four, join a direct sales company. But you you also caution people on that one, too. That sometimes if you join one of these multi-level marketing companies or direct sales companies, sometimes you're buying a lot of inventory and that could sink you. Yeah. If you need to pay out money for the side gig that you need to make extra money, skip it. And then number five is rent out your home. If you have an extra bedroom or a finished basement, uh, use Airbnb, Zillow, or Craigslist. Great stuff. You've got all kinds of things here. Emergency funds can save the day. Great emergency funds uh, infographic. What insurances do you need? I'm literally taking chunks of the book and just skipping to the next next section. <laughs> when to transfer credit card balances. Everything you need to know about your debt to income ratio. What all's in here, Michelle? The truth is that what's in here is the basic personal financial information every single person needs, but no one ever teaches you how to do. And yet somehow, as soon as you're 18 or you, as soon as you graduate from college, we just expect you automatically, magically, somehow know how to do it. And that's how people get in trouble by not knowing how to take care of their finances before they make really costly mistakes. The book is The Infographic Guide to Personal Finance. And your website, if people want to know more about Michelle, is michellekagancpa.com, C-A-G-A-N. And we'll have a link, by the way, on our show notes to Michelle's website and to the book at stackybedjamins.com. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much, Joe. I had a great time. Love the basement. Hey, trivia fans, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I am so glad Michelle talked about making extra money because I am packing for this stacking Benjamins experience thing in Florida. Of course, that's because I am the experience, baby. In fact, it's good I'm headed to Florida because people call me the Walt Disney of podcasting. I've never actually heard anybody say that, but I'm pretty sure they're thinking it. Speaking of old Walt, how's this for some trivia? What company, better known for snack chips, sponsored a Mexican restaurant at Disneyland in 1955? I'll be back with the answer and more film to pack away for my Polaroid camera. That's going to come in handy for all the selfies people are going to want with me in Florida. This episode of Stacky Benjamins brought to you by Blue Apron. A better way to cook. Blue Apron is the leading meal kit delivery service in the U.S. And while many people know what Blue Apron does, they don't know about the types of meals you eat. When you cook a Blue Apron, like strip steaks with potatoes and spicy maple collard greens, I shouldn't do these when I'm hungry, OG. A steakhouse-inspired favorite with the delicious twist chili-infused maple syrup. With incredible ingredients and chef-designed recipes, Blue Apron lets you see what the power of food can do. Blue Apron delivers fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes right to your door that can be cooked in under 45 minutes. The menu changes every week based on what's in season and is designed by Blue Apron's in-house culinary team. Blue Apron offers 12 new recipes each week, and customers can pick two, three, or four recipes based on what best fits their schedule. Blue Apron, of course, sends only non-GMO ingredients and meat with no added hormones. Meals coming up for me, listen to these ones, guys. Middle Eastern baked chicken and rice with chickpeas and yogurt. Steaks and cheesy mashed potatoes with steak sauce and roasted carrots. I can't wait for that one. Spicy pork and Korean rice cakes. 
with bok choy. Different stuff every night. Lots of fun. Blue Apron is treating Stacky Benjamin's listeners to 30 bucks off your first order if you visit blueapron.com slash SB. So check out this week's menu and get your $30 off at blueapron.com slash SB. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. All right, raise your hand. Do you drive an extra five minutes in traffic to save just a few pennies at the gas pump? Well, when's the last time you spent five minutes trying to save on the big things like auto loans? Lucky for you, we brought in Nick Clements from Magnify Money with a few tips on saving money if you find yourself financing a car. If you're buying a new car, there's really no better deal than the 0% financing that would be offered by the manufacturer. The issue really starts to happen if you don't qualify for the manufacturer's financing or you're buying a used car. And in those cases, I, I think it's a very good idea to always shop online and get a low rate before you walk onto the lot. Uh, chances are high that the dealer will beat it, but if you don't walk onto the lot with a low rate to begin with, you know you won't get the best deal. Thanks, Nick. More than just auto loans, Magnify Money's the perfect spot for reviewing just how well or not your checking and savings accounts are performing. You might just decide to switch banks, and guess what? Why stick with just one bank at all when you can use magnifymoney.com to always find best-in-class stuff? Stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney. Average person saves $450 in interest when they go there. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and it's trivia answer time. Gather around your device because I'm about to slap down a great trivia answer. For those of you with short-term, what do you call it, short-term um, memory issues, here was the question. What company, better known for snack chips, sponsored a Mexican restaurant at Disneyland in 1955? Well, today is National Corn Chip Day, wouldn't you know? So, of course, the answer is that in 1955, just two months after Disneyland opened, the company debuted Casa de Fritos, authentic Mexican food. Nothing makes me think authentic Mexican food like bagged corn chips. Hey, maybe there's a corn chip restaurant we could all party at Saturday night in Clearwater. I'm on it, people. See ya. Big thanks to Michelle Kagan for stopping by the basement. By the way, Fritos. Mm. I got to say, Fritos are my downfall. Yeah, are they really? Like that and like some uh, chili? Oh, cheese. Chili's, chili and Fritos. And I've heard, cheese, I've heard the good news is, is that the chili takes all the carbs out of the Fritos. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, it's like a net. It's a net zero carb a day. Yeah, yeah. You've got the chili on one side fighting it out with the Frito. Just mixes it all together and you're good. It's- and the nuclear explosion is your heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> like an hour later, it's it's the only treat that comes with its own angioplasty. Exactly. <laughs> if you if you if you eat six six of those Frito casseroles, you you get a you get a twenty five percent discount to the uh, to the heart doctor. <laughs> well, come on in, really Frito pie. Well, hey. <laughs> Let's throw out the Haven Lifeline. Why don't we tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions? Our friends over at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they've been disrupting the life insurance industry, OG, by focusing on those two things you value most. Now that we're talking about it, 
definitely Frito and chili, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yum-o. The one-two punch. Much better than your family and your time. <laughs> Speaking of life insurance. I'm really hungry. <laughs> Speaking of life insurance and all the Frito pie you've been having. <laughs> Don't tell Haven Life that you're going to have the, the Fritos and chili. Yeah. That's like line item six on their questionnaire. Have you had Fritos and chili recently? Smoke. <laughs> you do drugs. And tell us about your Fritos and chili con carne. <laughs> episodes in the last <laughs> it's you're automatically disqualified it, they were the first life insurance startup that's also wholly owned by industry giant mass mutual to create a high quality affordable term life insurance policy you can purchase entirely online and qualified healthy applicants they can even skip the medical exam and they just announced they went to two million how great is that benefit? So you don't even have to like, you know, you kind of like, I'd love to get it, but I don't want to get it. Two million. Two million dollars. Easy peasy. Lemon uh, squeezy. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote and learn about life insurance the modern way. That's stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. Saying hello to our new friend, Bobby. Say hi, Bobby. Hey, Joe and OG. My name is Bobby. I have a 401k through my work plan, and they've partnered with a national financial advisor company. We'll call them Monetary Motors. And I called them at the beginning of the year to see what the fees were for my account. And my Vanguard funds have a really low 0.07% fee for those managed funds. And the Monetary Motors company, they charge a 0.6 fee. So quite a big difference. I ran it through one fee calculator, and that could add up to $100,000 by the time I retire. So I was wondering what your thoughts are. I consider myself a pretty smart investor, through no credit to the show, of course. Uh, And I just wanted to see (laughs) if you thought it was worth it for me to save that 0.6% and do a, you know, quarterly checkup and rebalance on my own. Or do you think that's worth it? It's, It's, I believe, a pretty low fee to have somebody manage my account. So do you think I should just uh, let them keep a closer eye on my account? Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Hey, thanks for the question, Bobby. Great question. The fee monster rears its ugly head again. I was a little confused. I thought he was talking about the fees of the funds were 0.6 versus point whatever he said at the beginning. But he's saying to hire somebody, to hire this uh, investment firm to watch over it basically is 0.6. Yeah, apparently. Hey, Pretty f- cheap, dude. <laughs> I mean, relative to what a full service advisory firm charges. But they're not right? doing a full service. I mean, they're right. So it's cheaper, right? Bloom is 10 bucks a month. Yeah. So it really is going to boil down to whether or not you feel like having somebody take a look at it every, you know, six months or every year is worth that extra few bucks to you. If you can handle it on your own, then I wouldn't do it. You know, I mean, you're just going to run a Excel worksheet. You know, I want 49% in this fund and you find out that you're at 52 and you go, okay, you figure it out. I got to sell this much to rebound. You know, that's good. If you're somebody who can't trust themselves with that sort of thing, either you don't want to do it, you know, Excel spreadsheets scare the heck out of you. Or you're undisciplined. And what I mean by that isn't about by saving, but if you're going to get freaked out and do like this nonsense where you go, oh, emerging market value was number one last year, so I got to put all my money in it. You know, if you're just going to follow a disciplined, you know, I got my four funds and they're 25% in each fund, 
You ain't got to pay anybody anything for that. The big thing for me is I don't know what he gets for that fee. Like, I don't know if it's a good fee or bad fee, because I don't know if it comes with like French toast and a back massage, because that might add up. I mean, that's some good. Okay, creepy Joe. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't. Hey, weirdo. Hey, so, um, you know, if you're, I'm going to add that to my service offering. If you guys are, uh, you know, sweeten the pot a little bit, in addition to the full service financial analysis, We'll also throw in a massage. I was talking on the uh, Money in the Morning show recently, a headline that showed that millennials, uh, wealthy millennials, want, they like choose their advisor based on whether they're going to buy them stuff. Like, are they going to take me to lunch? Are they going to take me to sporting events? Will they take me to rock and roll concerts? The new new tax law, what entertainment does not, you can't deduct it anymore. That's going down. Bye-bye. No more Super Bowl tickets. You're not getting that love anymore. You can still get lunch. Food still is deductible, but not entertainment. But I think I think overall, like I don't know. What do you get out of this for we, your we, sixty basis points? I don't know. You know, I don't know if a fee's expensive or it's not, unless I know what I get. And maybe there's a track record that says, "Hey, here's what we've done in the past and past performance. No indicator, future results, but it will give you kind of a clue about what we're talking about here." If it's, you know, some guy behind a computer who's just going to do the same stuff that you do by looking up some third-party asset allocation software and calls you twice a year to rebalance the number, no, probably not worth it. But I don't know. I don't know what it comes with. So the answer, Bobby, is it depends on the stuff. And I think I think this is, and this is not Bobby, this is a lot of people, man. We get so caught up in the fee, low fee, low fee, low fee, low fee, low fee, and we don't get caught up enough in... Have I saved enough? Well, I remember we had a call Monday from a listener who said, who had a, who I think he was using, I I can't remember, but anyway, he was using somebody that was pretty inexpensive and then went, oh, by the way, he also told me he can't do, help me with these 42 other things that I've got issues with. Right. And so you go, well, that's great. I got this, I got, you know, I got got a really low cost, but I didn't get anything for it. (laughs) So the great news is, is that I got what I paid for. You know, it reminds me of that Tommy Boy bit, right? You can take a dump in a box and mark it guaranteed, and all you're getting is a guaranteed piece of. <laughs> you know, so you can call low fee, but if that's all you're getting, you know, you can't get help, answers to your questions. And what are you getting? You know, I don't know. It's not about that. It's not about the sixty points that the advisor charges or the whatever. It's are you saving enough freaking money? Are you monkeying with it? God bless America. That is the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing. And it's so hard to impress upon, I think, new investors, the behavioral impact of seeing your portfolio go down 30 freaking percent in three months. And you go, yeah, I lived through it in 2008. It was, you know, I, I, I didn't do anything. Yeah, you had 10 grand and it went to seven. You know, that's what Bitcoin did in the last week. So no big deal, right? But when you've got a million dollars in your million dollar account in one calendar season, one quarter goes down freaking $300,000, you're going to freak out. And the hardest thing to do is to just go, yeah, I'm not going to do anything. I'm good. Chris Costello was uh, from Bloom. The CEO of Bloom was on our Facebook Live last week that we do uh, nearly every Thursday at noon Eastern, by the way, if you want to join us. Uh, I'm good. He was, he was, well, you join us from time to time. <laughs> he, 
he, I didn't know if you're offering for me to join him. He told some stories. He told some, he told these same stories. I mean, cause he's a guy that's been around the block like you and I have been and just tell stories about person after person wrecking their own financial future. Just cannonball to it. Just we, smash it. We obsess about the right fund. We obsess about the right fee and we take the money out at the wrong time. Oh yeah. Yeah. But it's down 40%. He talked about 2000 to 2002 and about living through that as at that time he was a stockbroker. And, you know, it's brutal. 2000, 2001, 2002. People lived through that. He said he remembers early Halfway on. Halfway into 2003. In 2003, you've got people that are bailing out and they're like, I can't take anymore. He said, I can't tell you the number of times I heard people say, I really like you, Chris. I can't take anymore. I just can't take it. The stock market in 2003 was amazing by the end of the year, was on fire, and it only caught on fire after nearly everybody got out, right? All the people, it just it just swept it's the floor. Cleanse. Yes. Cleansed it. Oh, it's like so, a juice cleanse. Yeah. People not getting out. He made a good point that I want to reiterate. He said that there's a difference between a decline and a loss. He said the market will decline, and that's what markets do. They go up, they go down. It's not a loss until the investor decides to sell, right? Yeah. The, the second the investor sells, now it's a loss. So uh, I thought that was... And if you're diversified, you have to really at that moment ask yourself, is it likely that every company, I own 12,000 companies, are they all going to go bankrupt? Are they all on their way? Yeah. And if and if it, so, then... Well, then it don't doesn't matter. Yeah, anything. go join Len in the bunker. Yeah, so he's uh, got room. And and Bobby sitting here. All I did was ask about the fee. He's going. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I'm so sorry. I'll pay it. I, I'll just pay the fee. It's okay. I'm just asking a question. Thanks for the letter, Bobby. And to make up for the fact that we just took your letter and ran with it, we're sending you a greatest money show on earth so T-shirt. Fun. Co-branded. It is a circus, baby. It is a You never know what to expect. And with three rings, that's not enough for us. We also get letters here on the show. Doug just brought down the mail. This one comes to us from our new friend, Ryan. Ryan says, hey, you mentioned on a recent show the value of joining a mastermind group for mutual support as it relates to finances. Are there any existing masterminds you can recommend? I already do a mastermind for my mental health counseling business, and it'd be nice to locate some with a personal finance focus. Boy, I don't know any. Do you? I I, uh, I got to imagine there's some. There's the an- probably a uh, collection of them that you could. The answer up, is when, when you're creating a mastermind, you want to make it really small. And I'm sure that some exist. I know that different podcasts, as an example, have Facebook groups. I know that some have coaching. I know our friend David Stein has coaching with his Money for the Rest of Us podcast. We have The Basement, which ours is a little different. Sometimes people are really messing around. Other times... We are asking serious questions of each other, but that's not really a mastermind. It's a nice collective of people that are all have mm-hmm. similar goals, you know, all people trying to get ahead. So I know about uh, those, but in terms of putting a mastermind together, I think that's more on a local level. Find three people that you say, okay, let's hold each other accountable. Well, to some degree, that's what we're doing in Florida. I mean, it's a 30-person group maximum. We're trying to keep it small specifically so that we have this you know, this pack of people that are working together to achieve a goal. So it's not an ongoing mastermind, which actually is interesting. I hadn't thought about that, keeping it as an as a uh, ongoing Facebook group. But I'm sure 
half of the things that happen in any mastermind aren't just in the aren't just in the agenda, but what happens in the hallways, what happens between the sessions, right? Tony Robbins says that your quality of your life is somewhat determined by the quality of the five closest relationships you have. And I've heard variations of that in different places. But this this extends to money as well. And I think it's really important. I'm glad you hit on it there. If you're going to do something like this, you have to make sure that you're with a group that's trying to do the same thing at the same tempo. Thanks for the question, Ryan. If you've got a question for the show, uh, it's really easy. Head to stackybedjamins.com and you'll see right on the top of the page, it says questions for the show. Click that link and it'll show you all the ways that you can reach us. Thanks to everybody also who's left us a review of the show wherever you listen. Those are fantastic. And mom puts those on the refrigerator. That's awesome. And then last, if you're somebody that's looking for good financial help in your corner, OG's taking clients. What does that mean? Well, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash letter O, letter G, and uh, that will lead you to his calendar. And you can schedule time to talk to OG about what that would take to get him in your corner. That's going to do it for today. On Friday, we've got the big three. We've got OG, Paula, and Len. Going to be a hoot nanny, as mom calls it. <laughs> it is. I can already tell. <laughs> it's just, it's so fun. I have a feeling it might be pretty good. It, it very well might. All right. Everybody go stack some Benjamins. Doug, what should we have learned? So, what did we learn today? First, take some advice from Michelle Kagan. Think about the rule of 72 before grabbing money from your investments and spending it today. You might be giving up much more than you think. Second, artificial intelligence and your investments? Heck, people say I'm half robot because I'm automatic with these nuggets during the show, but your investments? Ah, we'll see. But the big lesson? Don't go looking for corn chip themed restaurants in Clearwater, Florida, unless you're ready to be really, really, and I mean really disappointed. Looks like those of you coming to the Stacking Benjamins experience will have to just gather around the hotel bar with me. Special thanks to CPA Michelle Kagan for joining the fun today. You'll find Michelle's book, The Infographic Guide to Personal Finance, wherever you find books. And we'll have a link on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Not signed up yet for the Stacking Benjamins experience? You're missing the opportunity of a lifetime to meet me! Let alone, uh, we're, we're going to be building financial plans and sharing financial jokes and maybe even talk about money down on the beach and all that boring stuff. But I'm going to be there, so that's pretty much why you're signing up, right? Hey, what's not to like? Head to stackingbenjamins.com experience for more. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here. Trust me, this well-oiled machine didn't get like this all by itself. SB Podcast may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor.
we were talking about uh, sun tanning and how I turn a nice golden brown, just glistening in the sun, oil myself up. Oh boy, it's mm-hmm. like it's just like chicken Based done myself. just right. Yeah. So <clears throat> about um, gosh, this has had to have been ten or twelve years ago. My wife and I head down to Miami to go see my really good friend, business partner. We're going to hang out in Miami Beach for, it's it's February, right? From the Midwest, we're going to Miami Beach. Woo! Never been. You know, we land in the evening and have dinner and it's great. We're outside. There's Miami Beach has got this outside mall area called Lincoln Road. And it's all like full of like little restaurants and shops and it's kind of a mall, but it's all outside. So you stop and you have a little, some tapas or you stop and have a cocktail. Just a great evening. But we're in like polo shirts and jeans. It's great. So we wake up the next day. He's got to do something with his kids. So he says, why don't you head down to the beach? You know, it's about six blocks that way. You can't miss it. <laughs> you know, just walk straight. And I'll see you guys down there maybe about, uh, you know, a little after lunch. So it's, you know, 930, 10 o'clock in the morning. We're like, yeah, of course. We're going to the beach, right? Head down to the beach, set out our towels, lay down ocean, you know, just perfect scene. But it's like a Tuesday. There's hardly anybody there. Yeah, kind of fall asleep, you know, listen to some music, getting kind of hot, you know. Okay, it's, he said he would be here by lunchtime. Now it's one o'clock. Oh, no. 2.15. And finally he shows up about 2.30, says, hey, let's get something to eat. And he goes, he takes off his sunglasses and goes, Whoa, 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 wait a second. Oh, no. Have you guys been wearing sunscreen? Oh, no. And I said, uh, <laughs> Oh, no. Dude, it's February. And he's like, You're screwed. You're not in the Midwest anymore. Oh, this no. This is way closer to the sun. Hello. I'm like 30 years old at this point. I should know this or late 20s anyway. Right. So we go. So I don't really catch it till the next that night and the next day, right? You wake up, you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> can't move, right? Just red as a beat. My wife and I have this picture from the restaurant we ate at that night. We look like little children because we're so young in the picture, but it's, it was a really cool restaurant. I still have it, but but I'm so red <laughs> with, the, with the suntan. Anyway, so we fly home that night or, you know, a day later, a couple days later, and now we've got to go to a conference in Minneapolis for my old company, literally land in Detroit, drive to my house, grab a bag. I'd already staged it, right? Turn around, get back in the car, drive back to the airport, get on the plane to Minneapolis. Still sunburned like you wouldn't believe. Land in Minneapolis, go outside, and I go, I didn't bring a coat. (laughs) And it's negative eight degrees. Negative 40 <laughs> with the wind chill. <laughs> it was 82 in Miami Beach the day before, and now it's negative 40. <laughs> I'm not wearing a coat. My face is like like a stoplight. It's like, <laughs> so I'm in the That conference. freezing cold must have made it hurt like hell, too. Oh, my gosh. So I'm sitting in this conference, and I'm like kind of, in a sh- you know, I'm like cowering in the corner because I do not belong, right? I don't belong at this place. And my face is peeling <laughs> like like I'm like a cyborg. Like people are like, hey, so uh did you uh just get back from the beach or something? <laughs> <laughs> I 
every person. Like that's when no, you do. I, you know that comedian Bill Ingvall. You know, yeah. and and he always does that. Here's your sign thing. Yeah. Here's your sign. People ask him a stupid question. Like you know, you're along the side of the road. You've got a car up on a jack. Well-meaning person comes up behind you and goes, "Oh, your tire go flat." It's like no, and he comes up with something really funny, and he's like, "Here's your sign." Like you're yeah. you're an idiot. Like something yeah. you could just get back from the beach or something. Like yeah, just come. No, uh, where, where, where are you from? Not from around here, huh? Yeah. No, I I'm just you. I'm just very embarrassed to see you. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month, and I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.